You have your Bibles open with me. To the 58th chapter of Isaiah. Everybody say Isaiah 58. I'll give you a minute to get over there. Isaiah 58. Read verse 1. The command of God to Isaiah is no different than it is. The command of God to every man and woman that stands in this holy place to open up this powerful book and declare the power of God. He says, first of all, cry aloud. Well, I guess it's all right to shout then. He said, spare not. That means don't be intimidated by anybody, any philosophy, any religion. I believe with all my heart God is calling the John the Baptist of our generation out of the wilderness. We've been eating locusts and wild honey. We've been having our provision from the very throne room of God. And we're coming out crying loud and sparing not. And our message is that modern day John's is the same as the early John. Repent. Well, that doesn't get too much shouting, does it? I said repent. Say it again, repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. Then he told Isaiah, lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sin. Verse 6, is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Now in verses 2 through 5, we find that Israel was having church as usual. Everybody say church as usual. But you're in this place tonight because you've had enough of church as usual. You've had enough of coming in sick and going home sick. You've had enough of the rhetoric of men. You've had enough of the opinions of men. You can say amen anytime you feel like it. You've had enough of the philosophy of religion. Religion is the perfect science of making easy things difficult. And the understandable, not understandable and confusing. But God said, I'm not paying any attention to your church services. And I'm not paying any attention to your fasting. God said, I've got a fast for you. And if you'll get on my fast, you'll undo the heavy burdens. The oppressed will go free. You will loose the bands of wickedness. Are you in this building? You'll deal your bread to the hungry, verse 7. And that they bring the poor and the cast out to thy house. My God, that would disturb a lot of churches, wouldn't it? Are you listening to me? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh, then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee, and the glory of the Lord will be your reward. How many of you want to see the glory? I mean, you desire to see the glory. Say, I want to see the glory. Well, the glory is the manifested, tangible presence of God. It's the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. It's the presence tangibly of God. Then shalt thou call and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry and he shall say, here I am. 
If thou take away in the midst of the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and the speaking of vanity. If thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness shall be as the noonday. God said the darkest day you'll ever live will be like the shining of the noonday sun. I believe the church is moving into this kind of a fast. And the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in drought, make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a well-watered garden, and a spring of water whose waters fail not. Listen particularly to verse 12. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. They shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairers of the breach, the restorers of paths to dwell in. For of subtext, John chapter 8, Jesus declared these words, Truly I say unto you, if any man keep, say keep, keep. these sayings of mine, he shall not see death. I'm going to have a little help preaching tonight. Is that all right? I want you to pay very particular attention to my bridge. Everybody say, there is a bridge that spans the gap. And we are, we are repairers, repairers of the bridge, of the bridge. Restorers, restorers of paths to dwell in. Paths to dwell. And we're going to keep the pathway, the pathway of God's blessing, of God's blessing. Open, open and unobstructed, unobstructed. In, our generation. in our generation. Let me tell you a story about a bridge. When Adam sinned in the garden, man's access to God was severed. Sinful man could not come into the presence of a holy God. Most of us are familiar with Michelangelo's painting in the Sistine Chapel, portraying man striving to reach the outstretched hand of God. Try though he might, man could not. The gulf was too great. He couldn't fill that gulf with animal sacrifices or other pious deeds. All the blood of all the lambs ever born could not erase man's awful guilt. But God had a plan. Before there was ever a need, God had a solution. Jesus, the Son of God, would become the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Jesus took the wood of his own cross and fashioned a bridge to span the gulf of sin. There is a fountain filled with blood. Drawn from Emmanuel's veins, sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. 
The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. Here comes one that is truly suffering. Sickness has been called limited death. This one has tried all and is none the better. But Jesus made a bridge. Price for healing was paid. As those cruel stripes were made within Pilate's judgment hall, now his suffering affords perfect healing for all. This wonderful healer is mine. But Satan must get 1 Peter 2.24 out of the Bible or at least out of your heart. Here comes a troubled person, though he tries not hard not to show it. It's obvious to the careful observer that he's trying to fill this void with alcohol. He needs a bridge. Oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of blood. To every believer, the promise of God, the vilest offender that truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. <laughs> Satan is furious. He must stop this hemorrhage of his kingdom. Here is one that obviously is in need of the bridge. Healing is the children's bread. Her faith is strong. In spite of the opposition, she is determined to receive. She's determined to have all that God has made for her. She's determined that by the stripes of Jesus, she will receive the fullness of God's provision for her. Hallelujah. She is here. 
But Satan is equally determined to stop this bridge of miracles. Here comes a troubled teenager. She's reached the end of her hope. She's tried to fill the chasm with drugs and sex and man's philosophy. It's all failed. She's at the point reached by so many of today's youth. She's ready to end her life. The number two cause of death between ages 13 and 20 is suicide. The number one cause of death in this same age group is automobile accidents. And of these, 72% involve drugs or alcohol. She desperately needs this bridge. She desperately needs to cross over and receive deliverance. But the opposition is strong. Too many planks are missing. Man's arch enemy, Satan, has hindered the effectiveness of this bridge. By the thousands, they're there. Pushed down, beaten up, left for dead. Nobody seems to care, but I believe with all my heart in this building tonight, there is a remnant of a church who are going to be called in our generation the repairers of the breach, the restorers of paths to dwell in. I'm looking for a group of people tonight that want to help me rebuild the bridge in America, that want to help me rebuild the bridge and mend the torn lives and the broken marriages, that want to reach out a hand to the homeless, the hurting, the desperate, the depraved, the diseased, and the dying. I want somebody to help me reach suffering, sighing, crying, dying humanity. And I think it's time we stop playing church. I think it's time we started being the church. I think it's time we started repairing the breach, restoring paths to dwell in. If you believe it, put your hands together. Praise the Lord. Let's get started. can be seated. I've had it with the devil. I've had it with the devil in whatever garment he chooses to wear to come to steal the authority out of the life and the bloodstream of the body of Christ, which is the only answer for this world. Now, you may think there are other answers, and sometimes we're duped that way by the federal government. We think it's their responsibility to take care of the poor. But it's not their responsibility to take care of the poor. It's our responsibility to take care of the poor. Now, if you're not going to help me, I'll go home and preach to myself. There's a man in this church. His name is Stanley. We put together buses. Some of them cost $60,000, $70,000.
We put those buses together not so that we can go into the affluent neighborhoods and become the babysitting service for the affluent to send their little children to church while they go out to their tennis match. It's not what we use our buses for. What we use our buses for is to go down into the inner city and to find the people that nobody seems to care about. We take those buses and we clean them all up real nice and we shine them up real nice and we get them all ready to go find the smelliest people in Columbus we can find. Their bodies are infected with lice. Many of them have AIDS. The health department has asked us before, aren't you concerned about the number of AIDS patients that are coming to your church? They'd heard about it because we've seen as many as 17 professed homosexuals set free in one Sunday morning service. Sunday morning. I'm talking about Sunday morning. Not Sunday night. Not revival meeting. Holy Ghost. Sunday morning service. And we send those buses down to the open shelters. We bring them in here by the busload. We let them with their lice and their body odor, and their torn, ragged clothing, sit on these beautiful pews in this $15 million facility. We bring them in here and we preach something to them called the gospel. When Jesus was talking about the anointing, and everybody likes to talk about it, when Jesus was talking about the anointing in Luke chapter 4, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he hath anointed me to build my mailing list. It's real quiet in here. For he hath anointed me to build the biggest church in town with a steeple so high, oh, it reaches to the sky. For he hath anointed me to have my name plastered all over Charisma Magazine so that when I walk down the street, everybody knows me. For he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. The recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised. Preacher, if you want to fill your church up, get your nose out of somebody else's church and get it in the open shelter and get it in the drug houses and get it in the crack neighborhoods. They're waiting. They're waiting to hear the gospel. We send those buses down there. We load them up. We don't charge anything for the gas. There's no ticket to purchase. We just load them up. You say, well, how do they trust you to get on your bus? Well, we've been down there feeding them five days a week. Are you listening? I believe that the remnant church of powerful dominion in the decade of dominion that's dawning upon us in the earth right now is not going to be a church that is satisfied with padded pews and crystal chandeliers and big programs that are super powered and preachers that are so slick haired and shiny shoed that the downcast of this world are afraid to reach out a trembling hand for help to the kingdom of God. I believe God is looking for a church that will reach one hand to the gutter and the other into glory and pull the two together. I believe that. Hallelujah.
believe it's time we started repairing the breach. We picked up a fellow down there named Stanley. Stanley wanted to go to church for a long time, but he couldn't find anybody to bring him. We found out that he found out about World Harvest Church by standing outside, standing outside of a shop that sold televisions. And you know how they got, they've got all those televisions in there, you know, and they're all playing on a different channel. Well, somebody must have fallen asleep and they happened to get the thing on the Christian channel. And Stanley saw us through the window. And Stanley said in his heart, God, I want to get there. Tina watched on television, spending $250 a day on crack cocaine. She didn't have any pretty clothes to wear. She'd seen us on television and everybody looked so pretty. And she said, but I don't have the right clothes to wear. But she said, I was desperate. I had seen people healed by the power of God. My children had been taken away from me. And I got a taxi cab and I scraped up enough money to get in a taxi cab. And I came out there believing that God could do something for me. And then a pair of cut off blue jeans with holes in them. And a little old tank top with body odor. And her little body emaciated and the eyes sunk back in her head. She stood right here. Right here, I'll never forget it. She stood right here, fearing and trembling. And from this pulpit, I reached one hand into the gutter and the other into glory. And I said in the name of Jesus, you demon spirit of crack cocaine, come out of her. Somebody praise God. They're out there. They are out there by the multiplied millions just waiting on somebody to rebuild the bridge. We picked up Stanley. Stanley came in and heard the gospel. He had one, one outfit of clothing, no underwear, little old shirt and pants, shoes and no socks. But he determined I'm coming back. Every time you let me, I'm coming back. Let the affluent Mr. Big Buck stay at home if he wants to. There are some people in this world that are ready to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a reason. My God, I'm stirred up tonight. Well, Brother Rod, they won't bring any offerings. Oh, yeah, they will. They'll bring the offering of their time their talent and their energy. And that's more than you can get out of Mr. Big Bucks and you know that's the truth, preacher. They'll give you love and devotion and caring. The Bible said to him that much has been forgiven, loveth much. Stanley came in, gave his life to Jesus, got baptized in the Holy Ghost went to talking in other tongues. We're going to get to that tonight. Went to talking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave him utterance. 
Next thing I knew, I looked around and Stanley wasn't in that same outfit anymore. He wasn't dirty anymore. In six weeks' time of sitting under the ministry of the Word of God, Stanley, who only had one outfit and didn't have a dollar bill in his pocket to change, had no food but what somebody would give him and no means of getting any food, didn't have a job, try to get a job. Try to get a job with no address. Well, what'd you do? We gave Stanley our address, 4595 Gender Road. That's where he lives, right there. He belongs to us. My God, I'm gonna put He belongs to us. He's blood bought. Victory sought, and when he stumbled in the altar, Lord, he got caught. Now Stanley's got beautiful suits. Eight weeks ago, didn't have a dollar bill to change. Somebody in this church gave him a job. He shows up to work every day on time early, stays late, gives a good day's work for an honest day's wage, already been promoted in his job. People in the church went to buying him suits. Now he is one of the assistant head ushers in this church, only been saved 10 weeks. Stanley. God bless Stanley. And all the Stanleys of the world. Hey, hey, if they won't let you where they got stained glass windows and you're in Columbus, come on over. We'll make room for you. Come on. Come on. There's victory waiting on you. Somebody shout yes. Want to get to this bridge? Restorers of paths to dwell in. Somebody shout yes. yes. <laughs> We're going to rebuild the bridge. Not only are we going to rebuild it, we're going to keep watch over it. This is our bridge. This is our gospel. And I've had enough of the devil stealing its power out of the midst of the church. I've had enough of him taking the planks out so that people can no longer get across the bridge. Oh, they go to church. Oh, they go to church every week with cancer and go home with more cancer. They come in discouraged and go home more discouraged. But I've got news for you. In every generation, God has had a remnant, a Holy Ghost fire baptized remnant. And he's got one in this generation. Esther, we've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. This is our time. They say Rod Parsley preaches some new gospel. You didn't know I heard you talking about me like that, did you? But I heard you. They say he preaches some new thing. No, the only problem is you've been asleep for a generation. The blessing of God will not pass from one generation to another unless the remnant makes it a point for it to pass from one generation to the other. And we have sat by and let the power of the gospel, the power of speaking in other tongues, the power of laying hands on the sick, we have let the devil come along and steal it out of the midst of even Pentecostal churches. And in the name of Jesus, there is a group of people that are going to raise their head and take it back. We're going to take it back and we're going to rebuild the bridge. 
Dr. Summerall was on the mission field. He cast the devil out of a witch doctor and uh, went back to the bed that night, went back to his room and went to sleep, laid down to go to sleep, and all of a sudden an evil presence filled the room. The bed started trembling. He looked around and noticed that the bed had shaken all the way out into the middle of a large room. Are you listening to me? He raised up and rebuked the devil, said, I rebuke you, go in the name of Jesus. Evil presence left the room. Dr. Summerall said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, just one minute. Wait a minute. Now there's something, what is, you ever get those things in school? What is wrong with this picture? <laughs> Dr. Summerall looked up and said, what is wrong with this picture? When I came in here, my bed was against that wall. Now tonight, we didn't come just to make the devil leave. Dr. Summerall said, hey devil, when I came in here, my bed was against that wall. Now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you put it back. We came tonight to make him put it back. Self, put it back. Put it back. Hallelujah, we're gonna put it back tonight. We're gonna rebuild the bridge. We're gonna restore the paths to dwell in. You know what that word restore means? It means return to the starting block. I'm gonna say it again. Return, can't you hear the Holy Ghost tonight? Return, get back to Bible basics, preachers. You're out there on your great philosophical, theological discourse of nothing. While the people sit in your church bound to sickness, bound to disease, and bound to poverty, and bound to infirmity, my God, let's get back to the starting blocks. Let's get back to what sent revival. If we want revival, let's get back to the kind of Bible preaching that will produce revival in America. And it's not whether Brother Hal Lindsey's got the right number or not. And it's not this methodology and that methodology. It's just a return to Bible basics. How about this? You want to talk about the anointing? Wonderful. Let's not be so concerned about people falling down in the floor so the people are moved in their emotions. And let's start preaching the gospel to the poor. Oh, I knew you wouldn't amen very strong on that. Let's get back to the starting block. Huh? You know what your city needs? You know what this city needs? It doesn't need another church full of philosophical discourse. We don't need another denomination debating over some triviality of Bible doctrine. I think we had more success in the body of Christ, and there are men much my elder here that have been preaching longer than I've been born, but it just seems to me I'm a casual observer, and it seems to me that we had more revival in America when we preached some basic tenets of the faith, when we got in our pulpits and preached that God would still save a lost sinner from spending eternity doomed to a devil's hell. Oh, I'm preaching myself happy. Let's get back to some Bible basics. Let's rebuild the bridge. Not only are we gonna rebuild it, we're gonna do something else. We're gonna keep it. 
he that keepeth these sayings of mine shall not see death. That word keep is very interesting in the Greek. I'm going to tell you what it means right now. It means to place in a, in a position of absolute protection. And to chaperone as one would his virgin daughters. We got some virgin truth up here that the devil and his bunch of religious heretics have raped out of the bridge that will secure blessing to hurting, desperate, dying humanity. And I think it's time we pointed our spiritual fingers under the nose of the devil. And like Dr. Lester Summerall said, hey devil, not only are you going to leave, you're going to put it back. You're going to put revival back in our churches. You're going to put anointing back in our homes. You're going to put unity back in our churches. You're going to put victory back in our hearts. Now in the name of Jesus Christ, devil, put it back. Shout it, put it back. The devil is a thief. Dwight Thompson said it last night. Are we going to accommodate? Are we going to practice accommodation or confrontation? Well, Brother Rod, we don't want to make anybody leave, you know. We've got folks in this church might be offended by sitting by somebody like that. Well, good. Just preach on salvation. Get them saved. Preachers say to me all the time, well, Brother Rod, we just, we just need a revival in our church. We haven't had anybody saved. We have maybe one or two saved, you know. We have a few come to the altar every now and then, but I guess we're going to have to have the evangelists come in and have a revival. There are two reasons that people are not getting saved in our churches. Number one, we don't bring them. We've been so busy getting our theological self-help programs going so that we can all have our Christian exercise tapes and our Christian checking account things with our little dove on the end of them. And we've been so busy being bumper sticker Christians, running to the house of God to find out what else God had for us. You've got about all you're going to get until you let go of what you got. That's the process of life, the process of exchange. God can't pour more in until you let some out. The second reason people don't get saved in our churches is a very basic reason. Nobody ever preaches about it. Brother, it takes preaching to get people saved. You can't bring them in and teach them some little Bible lesson about prosperity or some other little triviality of gospel truth and expect people to flood to the altar. Somebody's going to have to stand up and tell them hell is still a reality. Heaven is still a reality and preach the gospel. I can hear the devil tonight. Shh. This won't go over well. Shh. 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 
I was in Capernaum. I was in Capernaum. And uh, we were over in, in a temple where the black basalt temple was underneath it. And they built a new one on top of it. And it had been decayed and so forth. But there's a lot of it left right outside where Peter's mother-in-law was healed. <laughs> and I got to sitting in there with a little group of people. And we started testifying about what God had done for us. One lady raised her hand and said, God put a new heart in my body. Another man said, I was scheduled to have surgery. And, and God healed my back. Another lady said, well, I was scheduled to have surgery. Had cancer in my breast. And God healed my breast. That happened to have been my mother. I heard the testimony. I knew it was true. And all of a sudden, we started rejoicing in that place. I mean, we got happy. Everybody say happy. We got happy in that place. Talking about the good things of God. And all of a sudden, we started rejoicing, and I can't hardly rejoice without dancing. And I was dancing, and we were singing the praises of God, and people were crying and knelt down on the floor worshiping God. And all of a sudden, a little old man with a little old hunchback man came running around the corner like this. And he got up to where I was, and he said, Shh. I said, do what? He said, he said, shh, this is a holy place. I said, no, this is a bunch of rocks. What makes it a holy place is when we do this. And I said, if we don't do it, this bunch of black basalt rocks is going to start crying out. We're not going to be silent no more. We all know what we're fighting for. Hallelujah. Shout, I'm not going to be quiet. The devil is a trespasser. He is a thief. He has no right of dominion. He didn't get into this world the right way to have any dominion. Is this all right? I said he didn't, he didn't get in this world right. John said, this is all you need to know to run over the devil. Are you ready? John chapter 10 and verse 1, the Bible declares that Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I am the shepherd of the sheep. And he said, I'm the shepherd because I came in by the door. He said, now anybody that comes in any other way, climbs up over or tunnels down through or anything else other than the door, the same's a thief and a robber. Well, what am I talking about? I'm talking about the devil has no authority on this earth because when God formed man of the dust of the ground, that gave him earthly authority. God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. When the demon spirits began to cry out when Jesus was going to cast them out, they didn't say, thou son, of, thou son of man. They said, thou son of God. We know who thou art. Yeah, yeah. Torment us not. Yeah. Well, what, the devils went to preaching for God? Thou son of God. No, that's not what happened. They knew that as the son of God, he was a spirit being. And as long as he was, he had no authority on the face of the earth. But Jesus came not only as the son of God, but as the son of man. And he said, devil, shut up and come out of them. And they had to come. That's the reason we clap our hands. 
because we show our earthly authority. As long as we're in an earth suit, we have authority. And because we're born again, we've got anointing. We've got authority and anointing to drive the works of hell out of our lives. Let he that stole steal no more. Proverbs chapter 6, if the thief be found, he shall restore sevenfold everything that he's eaten. Take it. Joel chapter 2, I will restore unto you the years that the locusts have eaten, the canker worm and the palmer worm and the caterpillar. God said, I'm going to give it back to you. And not only am I going to give it back, I'm going to give it back seven times stronger than it's ever been on the face of this earth. Oh, I appreciate Brother Whitfield's revival. I appreciate the Lutheran revival. I appreciate the Wesleyan revival. I thank God for the healing revival and for the charismatic renewal and for the word of faith renewal. But I've got news for you tonight. I've got my eyes set on something greater. I believe the greatest revival that has ever slapped the sides of the earth is ready to spout over the sapphire sill of heaven's gate and cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. There is an omnipotent God that we're serving. Omni meaning many, potent meaning potential. There is potential in God that is yet to be on the face of the earth. The last time there's a revival coming out of the heart of God that is going to literally shake kingdoms and entire nations are going to be born in a day. You are, the de you are the people of the decade of dominion. You are a people that are destined. You've got a destiny tonight. Are you listening to me? I may be the youngest man on the roster, and that means I can see visions. Are you listening to me? I see a revival coming to the face of the earth, the likes of which God has never sent forth and the people have never yet cried out for. I see a time when hospitals are going to be emptied out. I see a time coming when we're going to have church 24 hours a day. I see a time coming when every cripple will walk out of those wheelchairs where every deaf mute will begin to hear where every dumb mute will begin to speak I believe we're going to see a move of God where blind eyes being open is going to be as commonplace as a Sunday school picnic at the Methodist church if I can get somebody to believe me tonight show it by shouting amen hey this is our revival now, y'all can get in on it if you want to. Dr. Summerall, 78, he's in on it. Are you listening? But God's not done yet. Please don't think your last word of God from God is the last word from God. He's got more. More than you ever dreamed. Hallelujah. Now, when the thief gets found, he has to restore sevenfold. And he's going to do it because we're going to rebuke him. Luke chapter 4. Peter's mother-in-law had been taken out with a great fever. They called on Jesus. There was a little, little boy that cut himself and threw himself in the fire. Hear me tonight. His daddy took him to the disciples. They couldn't do anything for him. He saw Jesus and he went to Jesus. 
He said, Master, if you will, have compassion on us. My little boy throws himself in the fire, foameth at the mouth. We took him to get disciples down to the first church, down to the petrified Pentecostal. You know, we, we act like because we got the Holy Ghost, we're God's great witnesses on the face of the earth. We act like that. We, we've deceived ourselves into believing that. Let me ask you a question. It's not an overzealous charismatic that I have to knock off my front door step. It's not a powerful Pentecostal. It's a messageless Mormon. Or a deceived Jehovah's Witness. I think it's time we got back to Bible basics and had what we talked about having. Are you listening to me? There was Jesus. I took him to your disciples. They couldn't do anything. I love what Jesus said. That's all right. Bring the boy to me. Humpty Dumpty fell off a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. That nursery rhyme always bothered me because I always wondered why they called on the king's horses and the king's men. How come nobody ever called on the king? I think it's time we stop calling on our programs. We stop trying to find out how to make a big church from somebody that's already got one. I'll tell you when you get a big church, when you get your mind off having a big church and you get your mind on little people that have been pushed back and pushed down and left for dead. Jesus said, bring him to me. And he healed him. Luke chapter 4. Peter's mother-in-law taken out with a great fever. They called on Jesus. And when they called on Jesus, the Bible said he stood over her. God's standing over this remnant church tonight. Are you listening? God's standing over this remnant church. He's standing between you and the forces of darkness that would try to assail you and try to stop you. He's standing between you and sickness and disease and pain and infirmity and malady and malfunction. And he's not just standing there silent. The Bible said that when he stood over her, he rebuked the fever. And that word rebuke means he pointed his finger under the nose of the devil and said, stop it. That's enough. And I want to tell the devil tonight, stop it. That's enough. You stole enough power out of the church you've stolen enough of the basic tenets of the faith so that people can no longer get across the bridge they need healing but they can't get across the bridge I think what we ought to do is repair the breach I think it's time we stood in front of this bridge and chaperoned this word of God from the throne room of glory like a man would chaperone his virgin daughters. You let a man try to lay his hand on my little girl. She's two now. I don't care if she's 12 or 20 or 40 or 50. If you're not her husband, Jack, you better not be putting your hand on my little girl. And I want to tell the devil tonight to get his hands off the basic tenets of gospel truth that will send revival sweeping across America like a wildfire the flame of the glory and majesty of almighty God somebody shout in this church are you ready 
Number one. I heard you, lady. That was just the introduction. That's right. Is everybody all right? Is everybody comfortable? I've been waiting for a while to unleash this thing. It's just in my spirit. And I believe with all my heart that we need some more Bible schools like World Harvest Bible Institute that are, that are not so worried about filling their students with a bunch of scriptural head knowledge. Brother, you can do it. You can run the devil off with the begats if you get the anointing on your life just right. You won't have to put everything together so alliterated. I flunked preaching class. You understand me? I failed the thing. My professors called me and they said, why don't you think about being a veterinarian or a lawyer or something else? Because you're never going to make it as a preacher. Now our church is bigger than their university. Somebody shout amen. David said, I've not yet tried this armor, but I know about this sling. My God Let's get the sling of our anointing and turn it loose against our Goliaths and tell Saul to get back in his fearful corner. Now, don't you get mad at us because we want to do something. Well, there they are, that bunch of young people. Listen, what we've got is nothing new. It's nothing new. Oral Roberts stomped across platforms like this 40 years ago. Dr. Lester Summerall was casting out devils in the mountains of Tibet 45 years ago. What we're doing is nothing new. It's just that you let the devil steal it out of your theology. But thank God we're going to put it back in. We're going to put it back in and restore the glory days to the body of Christ. We're going to see altars lined up. Sinners trying to flood in the building and preachers can't do anything but just direct them where to go. This is our revival. We're going to have it. We're going to have it. Ready for number one? Number one, it's real deep. Y'all ready? Wish I could sit on this thing. Are you ready? I know this may be over a few of your heads. Just try to hang in here. Take a few notes on it. Get out your thesaurus and your concordance and study it later. It goes like this. The B-I-B-L-E Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. Everybody shout the Bible. Oh, hallelujah. Wouldn't you like to go to your church this Sunday and hear a message from the Bible instead of the Reader's Digest? How about a message from the Word of Almighty God? How about it served up fresh and hot? off the plate of the Holy Ghost fire energized Holy Ghost baptized message from the word of the living God well the word's not relevant it's the oak of God Planted in the forests of eternity. 
entwining its roots around the rock of ages. Forever, O oh Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. God said what he meant and meant what he said. And you can pillow your head on that book in your dying hour. And I think it's time we restored Bible doctrine, Bible preaching, the infallibility, the inerrancy of the eternal edict of Almighty God. He said his word was settled. It was like rain that fell down out of heaven and returned not thither but it did not return unto him void. It will accomplish that that it is sent forth into the earth to do. Psalm 107 verse 20. He sent his word and it healed them. What do we need the Bible for? If you look in the Bible in Matthew, you'll find out he's the Messiah. In Mark, you'll recognize he's the wonder worker. In Luke, he's the son of God. And in John, he's the son of man. In Acts, he's my baptizer in the Holy Ghost. In Romans, he's my justifier. In Corinthians, he's my sanctifier. In Galatians, he's my redeemer from the curse of the law. Hallelujah. In Ephesians, he's the Christ of unsearchable riches. Get away from my virgin daughters. Get away from the word of Almighty God. You can't have it. I don't care what you say. In, oh, somebody shout amen. amen. Dear God, I got to get this bridge rebuilt. Oh, here's a good one. How about this one? Put back in the bridge. You must. Be born again. How about that for some heavy theology? But that's all Stanley needed to hear. And that's all Tina needed to hear. And that's all you needed to hear. And that's all I needed to hear at eight years of age. I didn't have any big 5,000 seat building like this to go to. I was a little Baptist boy, eight years old. Went into a building where a woman was the preacher. Baptists don't believe in that. Am I wearing you all out? I'm just... I know y'all wanted me to be real deep tonight. Eight years old. Eight year, I hold the record for being lost the least amount of time. I was under the grace of God, and the minute God revealed to me I was a sinner, I pulled on my mama's dress tail as a Baptist boy in a Pentecostal meeting with a woman preacher. We were Baptists. We didn't believe in talking in tongues, and we didn't believe in women preachers. Now, wouldn't that be the case? But when this thing was rolling, and when people cared more about lost people than they did their particular little pet doctrines, when one church had revival, you say, well, what were you doing as a Baptist in a Pentecostal meeting? They were having revival. And when somebody in our town had revival, my family went, no matter who they were or what they were doing, to add 
their agreement. And at eight years of age, I tugged on my mama's dress tail. And I said, Mama, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. She said, I think he's waiting right up there at that two by six wooden bench. And I walked up there in a room that was less than half the size of this platform with concrete walls, painted church basement blue with a little string hanging down out of the ceiling with a light bulb screwed in the bottom of it. But I remember those people dancing all over that building that night. I remember hankies waving. I can see it. It was so sweltering hot in there you couldn't get your breath. Maybe that helped that woman preach on hell because it was so hot I could feel it. And I said, God, I've got to have a Savior. And I went to an altar and I knelt down and I'm here to tell you 30 years later it's more real on the inside of me than it was that moment I knelt when he first shed his glorious light into my darkened heart. Shout! I think it's time we got that born again doctrine back in there. Somebody say yeah. yeah. Shout yes. yes. Say I'm born again. By the blood of the Lamb. What can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? Get out of here, devil. This is my bridge. Ah, what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood. Lose all their guilty stains. Hallelujah. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary, on a hill far away, stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. You can have your new doctrines if you want to. I'm gonna cling. Cling like a vine in the middle of a hailstorm. I'm going to cling to the old rugged cross. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. It was good for Paul and Silas. And it's good enough for me. America is waiting to hear that they can be born again by the blood of the Lamb. Not of works lest any man should boast. All you need to do is say, God, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And instantly you'll be found with you. Don't be messing with my bridge, devil. It's my bridge. And I'm going to chaperone it. You don't want to let me in your little ecumenical community? I didn't sign up for a registration. You don't like me because I preach for people to be born again? That's all right. Just let me go on in blissful ignorance. Seeing thousands every week come to Christ. Just leave me alone. Well, see what else we can find around here. Oh yeah, I see a dark one over there nobody wants to talk about. The one thing we've all got in common and nobody wants to talk about. But the Bible still says the soul that sinneth you going to put this in your theology, preacher? The soul that's... 
Well, I can just hear you guys going back on Sunday morning, jumping in that pulpit and screaming like a wild man. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand and you'll have an altar service like you haven't had in years in your church. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. God wants us sanctified from the world. Sanctified in our spirit. Sanctified in our minds. Sanctified in our souls. Sanctified in our emotions. So that we're not so churchy that we can't tell the difference because the world is so churchy and the church is so worldly. You can't tell the difference. I believe God's calling out a remnant of people whose appetites have been changed. Whose attitudes have been changed. Whose attire has been changed. They don't look like the world. The world has no hold on them. For nothing in the world, everything in the world is but dung. For they count all things but dung for the excellency of Christ that they might win him and they are laying aside every weight of sin that does so easily beset them and they're running with patience the race somebody shout if you want me to put sin back in our theology oh I'm having a good time have I preached two hours yet? Heard a lady over here a little while ago say, Dear God, honey, he doesn't show any sign of slowing down. I'm stronger than right now than when I first started. Listen, I want to see us get these things back in the church. I'm so tired of a bunch of philosophical mismatch. I'm so tired of turning on Christian television and can't find any anointing and can't find any blessing and can't find any power and never see anybody saved and never see anybody delivered and never see anybody healed, won't cast out devils. I'm tired of Pentecostal churches putting talking in tongues only in the Sunday night service. Listen, I'm a Baptist. I said I'm a Baptist. I've never been taken off the roll as far as I know. I'm still a Baptist, but there's something else I want to put back in our theology. It comes from Acts chapter 2, and it says on the day of Pentecost, there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house wherein they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each one of them, and they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. Everybody thinks we ought to put Holy Ghost Pentecostal tongue-talking power back in our theology. Stand on your feet and shout. It's my camp meeting, I'll preach if I want to, as long as I want to, as hard as I want to. You would preach too if it was your camp meeting. <laughs> hey, I believe this. I believe this. The gospel will change America. We've been flopping around in a little bit of pool of leftover spiritual blessing. When God's got a river for us, a Methodist, Dr. Summerall shared it with you when he first got up here. The Methodist campgrounds used to be the most fire-filled place in town. Are you listening? You know what John Wesley said? 
founder of the Methodist movement. He said, I do not fear that Methodism and the people called Methodist will ever cease to exist. But I do fear that in existing, they become a dead sect. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Not done yet. Said Wesley, if Methodism is ever overthrown, it will be at the hands of our scholars and theologians who neither believe her doctrines nor practice her policy. It is from these men that it must cleanse itself or fall by its own weight. The modernist theologians of our day say there's nothing left to the word of God. Said one, the Bible has lost all hold on the leaders of thought. And is des this is in one of the greatest theological schools in America. Said the Bible is destined to become one of the great curiosities of the past. Said he, the inspiration of they that spake of thus saith the Lord is of little more relevance than the whirling of ancient heathen medicine men. I think it's time Pentecostal folk started acting like Pentecostal folk. I think tongue talking is okay. I think we ought to get the gifts of the Spirit back in our theology. I think we ought to hear some preaching and some manifestation of tongues and interpretation of tongues and prophecy and the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge and discerning of spirits and wonder-working faith and the gift of the working of miracles and the gifts of healings. You want to have revival in your church? Get the Holy Ghost and his gifts back in your theology. I'm winding down. I've about got this thing rebuilt. Oh, I got one over there. Hey, Willie. Come over here and get this one for me, will you? Come over here and get this one for me, Willie. We're going to put this one back. This is my Uncle Willie. He can help me preach if he wants to. Willie was 35 years an alcoholic. Not a sober day in 35 years. Till in a service where Brother Dwight Thompson in this church. Come on up here on the platform, Willie. I know him. I've known him all my life. I watched him sit in his driveway and drink booze. I watched him follow. He used to call me all the time and say, well, Rod, I'd like to know God, but I can't give up this old bottle. I just can't get away from that old beer. I just can't leave it alone. I don't think I'll ever be able to be saved. But a few years ago, he came into a service where a man didn't care and was unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he preached on the subject of deliverance. And he said, you can be free from that bottle if you've had enough. 
stand up and say enough is enough and Willie raised his hand and he said enough is enough and he came to an altar and Dwight Thompson said in the name of Jesus you alcoholic spirit come out of him and in an instant he was delivered and he stands on this platform tonight free from the oppressive devices of Satan's power because we're serving a God that is still in the delivering from demonic power business. If you want to see it put back in our theology, clap your hands and shout while Willie puts it back in the bridge. Free from alcohol. Free from drugs. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody praise God. We're about to get the thing rebuilt. Hallelujah. There are more alcoholics waiting to come across this bridge. Be seated. There are more drug addicts waiting to come across this bridge. There are more teenagers ready to put a gun in their mouth and take their life that want to come across this bridge. Preacher, you want to bring people into the kingdom of God, get the basic theology of the tenets of faith back in the bridge, repair the breach, restore the paths to dwell in, and you won't be able to handle the people that will run across Calvary's laid down bridge into the blessing of God. You'll have to tear down and build again and tear down and build again and tear down and build again because the greatest revival we've ever seen lies straight ahead of those that will preach the gospel without compromise. Got time for one more? Are you sure? Well, you know, Brother Ron, I don't know. I don't know about this healing stuff. Channel 6 News came over here the other first Sunday morning at camp meeting. Sat back here and listened to me preach for an hour and 15 minutes. I didn't know they were here. I wish I had. They got some of our people afterwards. Where's Debbie? Come here, Debbie. Pick up a couple of those planks right there and bring them to your brother. I'm getting a little tired. This is Debbie. Debbie. They said, uh, she said, now this, uh, they asked our, they asked our men here that said, uh, now, this preacher of yours said, uh, he gets awful excited, doesn't he? He said, yeah, he gets awful excited. Come on up here, baby. He gets awful excited. He said, now, uh, does he do that thing where he hits people and they fall down and that kind of stuff? Does he? he said, what do you mean? He said, you know where they, she, the reporter said, where they go like this, you know, where they do that thing. And, <laughs> Say, be healed. Said, so does he do that? Does he do that? With regularity. First Peter 2.24. With his stripes. Yeah. 
Well, Pastor, we don't see very many people healed in our church. You don't ever pray for them. This is my sister, Debbie. Two years my elder, my only sibling. Several years ago, the doctor looked at us and said, we're putting her on 35 prescribed medications a day. I can palm a basketball in both hands. Her pills overflowed, both of my hands put together. And I was preaching, I thought. The doctor looked at us and said, we're going to give her all the vials and needles for Demerol that she can stand. We brought them home in boxes. Looked in her eyes and said she's got three months maximum to live. We found a little troll doll of a looking man named Norval Hayes. And Norval said, if you believe, she'll be healed. He wrapped his arms around my little frail sister and prayed for two hours and 45 minutes, screaming to the devil, you're not going to have chaperoning that word like a man would his virgin daughters telling the devil rebuking him telling him to get his hands off the integrity of God's word God said with his stripes we are healed and we believe we are healed now he that soever shall say unto this mountain be thou removed be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe those things that he saith shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever he saith therefore what things soever you desire when you pray believe you receive them and you shall have them the end of two hours and 45 minutes with him holding her like this. Her legs went straight out backwards like this. Three grown men suspended their weight on her leg and tried to push it down. She only weighed 92 pounds. One of them's right here. Stand up, Ron Daly. Stand up on that pew so everybody can see you. This is not a little man. Three men got on top of her little frail leg and tried to push it down. Why? The devil was trying to pull her out of Norval's hands. But he screamed with tenacity and stomped his foot and wept like a baby. And he said, no, devil, no, you're not going to have her. Just try, you demon hordes of hell, you bunch of philosophical numbskulls. You try to get this theology out of my heart. You can't get it out. The Holy Ghost wrote it on my heart. You can't get it away from me. You, the man with an argument is never at the mercy of a man with an experience. And my sister is healed by the power of God. If you believe we ought to keep healing in our theology, stand on your feet, clap your hands, and let's be the bridge. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. 
but no easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.